0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Future Footy Podcast. My name is Christian, and I'm joined, as always, by your three other co-hosts, Aldo, Chris, and Saul. It's been a very interesting week in football, to say the least, guys, so a lot of cover here on this week's podcast. But first, I want to check on how all my co-hosts are doing. Aldo, how are you, bro?
1: Man, I'm, I'm suffering, bro. Um, that, that game against Liverpool got me fucked up. I, I, I just still can't believe
0: it. So from one uh, dark side of Manchester to a uh, lighter side, Chris, how are you, bro?
2: I'm doing pretty well. We've had a lot of high-scoring results this past weekend in the Premier League, and uh, we'll go into deeper depth.
0: For sure, man. A lot of discuss this week, so I'm excited for it. So, what about you, bro? I think you're the most elated out of the four of us. How how are you doing?
3: Uh, You know, uh, I'm pretty happy, you know. It's been an eventful week in football, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it.
0: So, as always, guys, we kick off FFP with our biggest takeaways from the week just passed. So, I'm going to go alphabetical order here, guys. Aldo, I know you mentioned that uh, you're suffering a little bit, but is there anything else that you took away from this past week in football?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, going going to the Carabao Cup, it kind of made my mood a bit better when I saw West Ham eliminate City. Uh, so, that's a great feat for them, eliminating both Manchester clubs. And I think this is going to be the what the first time in five, six seasons that City have gone out in the Carabao Cup and are not going to win it. So good on West Ham there.
0: Yeah, man, West Ham looking very impressive so far this season, knocking out both Manchester clubs in the Carabao Cup. So, Chris, what about you, bro? What's your biggest takeaway from the week just past?
2: I mean, we saw Chelsea win 7-0 this past weekend. We saw Man City 4-1, and we also saw Liverpool do a 5-0 over Manchester United. I book, think uh, I think as much as we can talk about how United have been playing poorly the last couple of weeks I think we got to give props to Liverpool I think they've they've been coming up strong this season and I think they're up there with Chelsea and Man City on uh being the title challengers and we'll see it's still a long season ahead but they're up there
0: yeah, man, Mohamed Salah looking like one of the best players in the world, honestly, so far. So I'm excited yes. to see where he finishes in the Ballon d'Or race coming up. But we'll see how that happens and how that pans out. So, what about you, bro? What's your biggest takeaway from the week just passed?
3: Uh, my biggest takeaway is that uh, Coleman finally got fired, you know. It will, it's been coming for some time. And, you know, um, actually, now that he's fired, I'm actually excited to, you know, watch Barca play again.
0: I agree with you wholeheartedly, man. Praise the Lord. That man is no longer in the camp now, for sure. So we're going to do things a bit different this week, guys, because obviously I think the Komen sacking is the biggest news to come out from this week. So if you guys don't mind, let's just go ahead and talk about that. We'll dive right into it. Uh, We'll have Sol and I's perspective from Barca fans. We'll have Chris and Aldo's perspective as, you know, just mutuals. But yeah, excited to talk about it, guys. So we'll just dive right into it. So... So well, if you want to give the people a little bit more of context as to what happened this past week over in uh, Barcelona.
3: Um well after the game versus uh Rayo Vallecano where Barca lost 1-0 and uh it was uh, I've read a lot of reliable reports that he actually he got fired on the plane ride home that he was informed that he was no longer continuing on the plane ride home and Right now, uh, as of right now, you know, it's, everything points to Xavi becoming the next manager. They, uh, for interim right now, since Xavi isn't going to come right away for interim, it's uh, Sergi Barjuan, who is a Barca B coach at the moment. But he's just going to be interim, well, I think it'll be two, three games. But, yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, finally happened, you know. It was coming. We saw, I think we all saw the videos of, what happened uh, after the Classico where his car got mobbed by fans? And, you know, I don't condone the, be- the behavior of Coe, uh, of course, but, um, you know, I guess it just shows like how frustrated the fans were with him seeing that this team wasn't progressing under him. But again, I don't condone that behavior. And, you know, you never wish that to happen to anyone.
0: Yeah, not just the back off of the lose versus Raya by Akana, but also the Classico over the weekend where Barca. Have now failed to beat Roma during the last four attempts, and Komen being manager for I think three of those attempts now, and not looking good. Things were never looking good tactically. Things were never looking good in the transition or in the dressing room. Looked like he never really had the backing from the board. I remember in the beginning of the season, Laporta, I think he told Komen, "What was it? Um, let me give me two weeks to see if I can find a better manager, and if not, I'll give you the job." And then Komen obviously came out and compared it to it's like someone telling you, "I want to get married to you," but. Like give me two weeks to see if I can find a better partner. And if I can't, then I'll I'll get married with you. But needless to say, guys, I think it's been a long time coming for Komen at Barcelona. I think he never really fit in well there. You know, uh, when it's all said and done, I think Koeman's, uh, okay to great manager. I'm not sure where his skills exactly land because he hasn't had a lot of time to prove himself into clubs. Obviously, he did a really good job with the Netherlands team over the past couple of years. You know, getting them from not qualifying to the World Cup and the Euros to being an exciting team of football again, but he's never really been able to translate that success to a uh, club football. So I think that's been one of his biggest downgrades. And then you look at that and uh, I think he has the lowest win po- points per game average as any Barcelona manager in history. So that's pretty damning on his reputation. And the fact that he's never been able to, you know, beat the biggest teams quote unquote, when they do face up against Barca, you know, he's never beat Juve, never beat Real Madrid, like I said, never beat Atletico, never beat... Any other big teams in the Champions League, so I think it's been a long time coming for sure. And I think most Barca fans will be happy with this news, and even happier when they find out that maybe Xavi Hernandez is the next manager uh, appointed.
1: How do you guys feel that that the, a former, another former player is going to potentially be the next manager, the next guy in charge? Do you guys think they're going to learn a little bit from Coman's mistakes, or or do they think? Do you guys think
3: they're going to repeat it? Well, and I was just gonna say, you know, Barca usually uh, they have a style, as they call it, Barca DNA and stuff like that. So they usually uh, usually stick to hiring uh, ex players and stuff like that. I mean, personally, you know, I I want Schalke to succeed, but I would have much preferred uh, Eric Ten Hag as you know the way Ajax has not only played this season, but the past few seasons. You know, they play pretty good, attractive football. You know, I think he would. Do well at Barca. That would have been my my first choice, but you know, I think with Xavi, we're just gonna have to be patient. You know, uh, but I hope he does well, and you know, I think I think he'll do better than Coleman.
0: Yeah, and I like to think that um, Xavi has a little bit more experience when it comes to managing club football. Obviously, he's been manager of El Saad over in Qatar for a few years now, and you know, we can say whatever we want to say about the Qatar League not being that one of the
1: PSG's the biggest rival. <laughs>
0: Maybe when it comes to oil money, yeah, but no, I think um, I think Al Saad is a decent team, and Shabi has definitely proven himself. I think he's definitely implemented his own style of play there, and he's done really well with that. And you know, we've seen former players get hired to big jobs in the past. You know, and it goes either one or two ways. You know, you can end up with a Zidane and win three Champions League on the bounces and be recognized as one of the best coaches in the world, or it can go like how we saw Andrea Pirlo uh win last year. You know, just not fitting in, stepping in too close to, or stepping in too fast, I want to say, and just not really having the backing for the board, for the team, not really having a lot of reputation and credibility built up as a manager. But I think Xavi's there. I think he's just won his seventh title in Qatar. So, you know, he's coming in with uh, credentials already, and I, I'm i excited to see what he can do to Barcelona. Hopefully it's a good place for him to develop.
3: I will say the only thing I am worried about Xavi is that he still has – um some old teammates slash friends at the club so that's the only thing i am worried about because you know the likes of he played with the likes of pique uh busquets Jordi Alba, and there's another one sergio roberto so uh my only concern is like you know will he actually like have the the balls to like bench them when they're not playing good because you know like they're friends off the field so you know maybe they're friends like You know, it's just, like, he won't want to affect the relationship and stuff. So that's the only thing that worries me, that if he has the balls, like, if they're not playing good enough, like, he'll bench them and stuff like that. To like, that's, like, my only worry. And then the – everyone talks about, like, the European experience, but, you know, like, Laporta wanted him to coach Barca B, but I'd like to think coaching the first division in Qatar is much better experience than coaching the third division in Spain. So, yeah, that's what I think. and Yeah, and then the difference with Perlo, I know Christian mentioned it, but I think Perlo like, I think before he even got hired for the Juventus position, he originally got hired for the other 21s, and then he said, and then I think, like, a month or a couple weeks or a month later, like, he got hired for a Juventus position, but he, I think he had only coached, like, 19 games before that. So, that was just, like, it, it was, like, a long shot, like, for him to work. So, I don't like that comparison. Like, Xavi has three years experience of coaching, while Pirlo had like less than a season coaching.
0: Chris, I'm excited to Wait. see what you think from a mutual's perspective, because I'm just uh, looking to see what you have to say about Coman's overall tenure at Barcelona for the past couple of years now. How do you view it as a mutual? You know, is it a success or is it more so a failure to you? Um, Especially
3: since you defended him a bit. Coman. Oh. Yeah, I remember when we got into that argument where you said Coleman deserved time because oh, okay. we were just hiring and firing coaches.
2: Yeah, well, doing that hiring and firing of coaches, I think, is always the wrong way for a club. I think you need to stick with them for at least a season, maybe 18 months, a season and a half. But uh, with Coleman, I think in five years, in 10 years, we are going to forget about this slight um, bump of form I think they've been very bad for a while now, and that was before Messi left. But now, uh, I don't know how to feel about Xavi coming in. Yeah, you're right. You said he has some experience in Qatar, as opposed to almost no experience with Pirlo. But the way I see it is kind of in Arteta's situation. I think it's going to take a long time for this Barca squad to start playing really well and start playing with that Barca DNA. I don't think they're going to start on fire like maybe some people hope they do. They still have a pretty weak, young squad that still needs a couple of transfer windows like Arteta. And, well, hopefully they stick with him and they don't replace him in 18 months.
1: You know, because Since you bring uh, since you brought up like Arteta and and you guys brought up Pirlo, um, it makes me wonder. It's like a lot of teams now have been getting just former players, um, with little coaching experience as their coach. You know, United with Ole, um, Chelsea with Lampard, Barcelona with Coleman, Juventus with Pirlo. Are you guys starting to see like a? Do you guys think there's a trend starting to go now, where? Because they were good as a player, they'll they'll trust them a bit more as a as a head coach, as a manager. And do you think that can downfall a lot of clubs, like in the instance of Barcelona and Juventus and Chelsea?
3: Well, I think the reason we're seeing it is because I saw a comment today. Because I mean, it, it mainly like uh, like Barca. Barca is the one that usually hires the most ex players as coaches, and it's because like a lot of people were saying, like they know the insides inside and out of the club you know so it's like easier to tell them like they know what's expected of the club than like you know for an outsider to come in and you know for them like to learn what the club's about and all this stuff so i think that's the reason why a lot of ex-players are getting hired is just because they know the club better than if like some foreigner that never played for them were to come in
1: yeah and i get that but then look at the look at what happened with chelsea you know the foreigner in this case uh, was Tuch and he made them uh, champion's league winners, you know, uh, right after sacking Lampard. Same, same thing goes kind of for Liverpool. They got club. It took some time uh, where they kind of like let him do his thing. And now look where it's gotten them. So do you think now that maybe that's still just kind of not the way to go for some clubs? Um, Whereas, granted, like you said, for Barca, maybe that's been kind of their thing for, for sure. It's been working for the past couple seasons, except for the most recent ones. But do you think it'll be a downfall either way?
3: Uh, I don't know. It's just Barca because they have the Barca DNA. So, like, you know, they want that. They want to play a certain way. They want all this stuff. So they just think, like, you know, X players know that better than, you know, they have, like, some come in and, like, they have to tell them, we want you to play this way. Like, it's harder to do that. But it, it, it is interesting because uh, Laporta, before he – when he was running his campaign, he, he was talking about how much he loved the uh, German coaches. Now he wanted to bring – he either wanted to bring in Tuchel, Klopp, Hansi Flick, or Ju, Julian Nagelsmann. Like, he wanted to bring in a German coach. So, like, you know, he was actually <clears throat> looking to break that cycle hiring ex-former players because he wanted to bring a German coach. But all the coaches he liked were already – under contract and taken but yeah i i, I don't know if it's gonna be a downfall like i think it's just a recent trend that started of you yeah. know of uh clubs hiring ex-players but I, I always think you need to hire the best man like regardless of he if he knows your club or not it's just whoever you think's gonna do the best for your club
0: i honestly All think right. a lot of it is generational you know we see all these players that you mentioned, although that are now becoming coaches, you know, they're players that we looked up to when we were, you know, kids to teenagers at our age. And now that they're after their retirement, you know, they go into getting their coaching badges and getting implemented into their former clubs, youth, youth academies. And now we're just seeing them, you know, finally crop up and, you know, become the head coaches for their clubs, whether it be out of cases for emergencies, like we saw with Lampard or out of a long process, like we saw with, um, I don't know, Zidane cause he actually came up with, uh, The Real Madrid Academy and stuff like that. But no, I think in the future, definitely we'll see players even now, you know, maybe Messi, Ronaldo um, and others about to retire, you know, start getting their coaching badges and, you know, maybe doing the same in a few years time. I know you've been to center backs, Giorgio Chiellini and Benucci have been studying for their coaching badges for a while now. You know, hopefully they can be good coaches and hopefully they can we can see him manage Juve one day. You have any final thoughts or parting words to say about Coleman or Barca, or can we move on?
3: Yeah, I was gonna ask you. it's mainly directed towards you, Christian, because you're a fan of the club. It, uh, Aldo and Chris can answer this if they want to. But like, um, did Coleman like? since a lot of people say he overstayed his welcome. Did that tarnish uh, his legend status, like his image at the club, for you or not really?
0: No, I don't think so, and I. Kind of have to detach myself from that question a little bit because I didn't grow up watching Barcelona as much as you did, Saul. You know, I only got really into them into the more later years. So I know he's a legend at the club, but I don't think his reputation as a legend is going to be tarnished, you know, as a player because of his status as a coach. Um, I think he'll always be respected amongst the, the fans for sure. I think he what wasn't as he the captain or score the winning goal when they won their first champion league or something like that. So I think his yeah he
3: won the first he scored the winning goal in our for our first cup, European Cup
0: yeah so I think his legacy is gonna forever be cemented in Barcelona fans for that reason alone and I think you know there's some players that or some former players that want to be remembered as former players instead of coaches and I think his legacy definitely lies in the in the former
3: yeah but uh because I, I was seeing a lot of uh. I told you the quote earlier that uh, his friend in the media came out of um, how he said that he he never felt he was a hundred percent confirmed as a coach and that after a classical he was fed up and he couldn't wait for it to be over. And like a lot of fans were like saying like it tarnished it for them because uh, like you know, he was just gonna be staying at the club practically just until he practically got fired, and a lot of fans like were attributing that he wanted to get fired so you can get that money. And especially since his friend in the media also said that uh, he wasn't going to forgive Barca one euro and that they were going to have to pay him his, the $12 million he was owed. So a lot of fans were like, "They're like, yeah, this tarnishes it for me a little bit. And I'm not saying he should give up anything, but, you know, there was quotes from Enaro that had come out earlier where he said, "Where when he got sacked, I think, from AC Milan, and he said, he's like, I'm not, and I think he had two years on his contract left, and he said, I'm not taking any money. He's just like, he said something about, like, his relationship with AC Milan. He's like, what I'm doing, I don't deserve to uh, get any money or something like that. So a lot of fans were hoping he'd do something like that, but it doesn't look like it.
0: Yeah, I think Cohen's relationship with Barca fans has always been rocky. You know, one of the most famous quotes in his tenure was, because of me, this club actually has a future. And I think that really uh, rubbed fans the wrong way. You know, and I think um, that on top of his results and his mismanagement of some players and blaming the youth academy and the youngsters for bad results. And, you know, his misuse of tactics, I think we've seen him implement four or five different formations at his tenure in Barcelona. I think all that piled up just compiles, you know, a uh, bad tenure in general for for him as a Barcelona coach. But I think we should separate his tenure at Barcelona as a coach and his tenure as a player. And then when you compare the both, I think, uh, you know, the cream will rise to the top and ultimately players or hopefully fans will remember his legacy as a player and not as a as a coach that was basically given the keys to the kingdom at a wrong time. You know, I don't know how else to explain it. You know, he took over in a very difficult time and he did the best he could. He could have done better. He could have asked for more help by the board or marcia could have had more money to back him. I don't there's a lot of, you know, substantial um equations that are put into that, but I think he ultimately did the best job that he could. But um his wording, his uh, quotes that he put out to the media at certain points, I think those are what's going to ultimately tarnish his uh, reputation as a coach. But as a player, I think uh, he'll always be respected for sure.
1: I got to agree with Chris there. Uh, you know, when it comes to things like that, you definitely got to be able to separate, you know, moments as a player and moments as, as a coach. Because um, they don't always go hand in hand. So it's, it's very important to recognize that. Um, and for me you know same with chris i i didn't see grow up i didn't grow up watching barça uh, as much as you you and and so did but it's kind of a similar situation over here you know with with all it you know if he does end up getting sacked you know as a player he did you know great things um as a coach he did all right but those are those are two separate
0: things Yeah, and i think ultimately when it's all said and done i think players like Solskjaer, they'll be remembered more as a player than as a coach. I think, you know, if we even look at the situation of Pirlo and Lampard, I think their reputation as a coach wasn't tarn- didn't tarnish at all their reputation as a player. So, I think going forward in the future, I think fans will know how to separate, you know, a player's tenure from a coach's tenure for sure. So, although you mentioned Ole there, so we're going to jump right over to the Premier League because there was a lot of high-scoring affairs like Chris mentioned earlier. And then we also had the Carabao Cup midweek that we also alluded to, but I think there's only one place to start here, man, and that is that 5-0 drubbing of Manchester United at the hands of Liverpool.
1: Uh, my opinion on Ole still, has, still hasn't changed. Um Sim- delusional. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Man United through and through. I'm a Man United fan through and through, so good times or bad, I will support my club. Um, at this moment, you know, Ole being the head coach, I still believe in him. Uh, I just think there's a couple... Things that you know he's still human, so eventually things can go wrong uh he got it really wrong in this game, you yeah, I mean five nil jesus um Salah has barely scored two goals against United since he's gotten back to the Premier League and in just one game he already scored three, so you know it's it's kind of oh, and also he's the first player to score a hat-trick at Old Trafford since Ronaldo Nazario. So that's also another big headline. But, yeah, I mean, overall, Ole got it wrong. Uh, he needs to – he he and a, a lot of different players, uh, Shaw, Maguire, you know, they need to step up. They they, they definitely do. Ronaldo has to step up even more um, just because he, he's not cutting it. Sure, he's the – you know, he's one of the greatest players – in the world, but he's just not cutting it right now, uh, at least for me. So we'll see what happens, you know, in, in these next couple of games where he has, you know, Manchester City coming up. He has a uh, Champions League coming up again um, with all these tough opponents. So he definitely has to step up.
0: Yeah, and I think I'm one of the few people that actually have a little bit of sympathy for Manchester United after this match because... Literally everything that could have gone wrong for them on this day did. You know, whether it's a uh, Pogba's red card or Ronaldo's goal that, was goal that was barely ruled offside. I think that was really unlucky, which honestly, he showed his finishing skills there, which, you know, age doesn't matter at this point for that man. I think he can slot the ball comfortably home from anywhere in, at this point. But um, that, and then on top of how he lashed out against, who was it, Trent Alexander-Arnold? Or Curtis Jones, one of the young players from Liverpool. Um, it was
1: Curtis Jones.
0: Yeah, that was... uh, That should have been a red. Yeah, exactly what I was just going to say. And um, I saw a post on Instagram this past weekend after that, you know, where it was comparing, obviously, you know, in this day and age, we're always going to compare Ronaldo to Messi and vice versa, but it showed that, him lashing out, you know, Ronaldo Ronaldo losing 5-0, and then it showed uh, Messi helping Alfonso Davies back up to his feet after they were already losing 8-1 in the Champions League a couple years ago. So... You know, not a lot of taken there. I just thought that was interesting because we're always going to be comparing these two until the day they retire. And even after that, I think we'll still be comparing the two. But no, I feel bad for Manchester United at the end of the day, man. And Ole, Maguire, they both came out after the match to say, uh, give their condolences and apologies to the fans. But uh, like you mentioned, although I think uh, these next few weeks is going to be really telling for United and uh, Ole, you know, hopefully they can start picking up points. And if not, then I don't see any any outcome that doesn't, end up, like, common situation at Barca?
2: Yeah, um, I don't feel bad for Manchester United right now. Of course you okay. don't.
3: Of course you don't.
2: <laughs> I think uh, we're forgetting that they were 5 nailed down before Pogba got a red card. I think it was 11 versus 11 this whole time, and they were 5 nailed down by the 50th minute, which is insane to think. I think Liverpool really did a number on them. I think Klopp got it 100% right, and I think Ole has to has to go. I don't see him coming back from this losing that hard to one of your biggest rivals at home. It's it really says a lot of how 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 different Liverpool are, and how they're just not at the same level. In this, game,
1: in this game, it definitely showed. Um, so I agree with you there. I mean, it was just atrocious football, especially in the defensive side. You know, McGuire, Shaw, um, Fred and, and Lindelof were putting in a lot of work. I mean, uh, not Lindelof. Fred and, and McTominay, they were putting in a lot of work, but they were just not being helped, you know, by their back four. So it, it was really hard to see for sure. But knowing knowing the, the Man United DNA, you know, it's not over till it's over. So we still have plenty of games to go this season. Um I think Ole and and the lads will definitely bounce back. Um and I sure hope it's 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 this next game.
2: I wanna ask you, what do you think Ole changed in this match? Because uh, I think that the lineup it's pretty similar to what you guys always put out, with the exception of Marcus Rashford starting on the left.
1: We have Ronaldo in this one. and
2: But doesn't he always start up top?
1: Yeah, but for some re- like, compared to the last uh, seasons, when they've played against the Liverpool, or when we've played against Liverpool, they've been close matches. Um, United have won some, Klopp won some, some, some even in a, in a draw. I mean, I remember last season, you know, that uh, Carabao Cup or FA Cup game uh, at Old Trafford where, you know, it was United scored one, Liverpool scored the other, then United scored again, Liverpool tied it, and then Fernandes came in with a banger for 3-2. You know, that was a great game. And it was a similar team than the one that Ole today. But I think the one that ruined it a little bit was Ronaldo. I think he's bringing in his ego a bit too much back to his 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 boyhood club, one of his boyhood clubs. And I think it's going to, you know, I think that's what's bringing everything down a bit.
0: I agree with you there, man. I mean, again, another post I saw on social media giving Ronaldo crap is that one through ball that I think one of the members of the back four gave to him and he kind of just gave up, threw his hands up in the air and looked frustrated. And then, I'm not sure if it was this match or a match previously, but Cavani ran about must have been thirty yards to try and retrieve that ball, which he did, and people were just complaining. That, that was,
1: uh, yeah, that was the VRL game. Yeah, so that,
0: that
1: that's what I'm saying when it when when I'm talking about Ronaldo and and how he's not giving us that extra oomph is when it comes to when we don't have the ball.
0: Yeah, and I think because uh,
1: go ahead. You know, the game is is when you have the ball and when you don't have the ball. If you're doing great things when you have it, and you're and you're not doing, you know, the basics when you don't have it, there, it's it's just gonna be bad. You know, you got to do well on both aspects of the game, having it and not having it. And Ronaldo's just not doing enough
3: for me when we don't have the ball. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say, uh, you know anyone that listens to the podcast knows, uh, I'm all out, and it's just. I honestly don't see how he comes back from this one. I thought he should have been fired you know he's just like I don't know what to say, man It's just like like he got surf uh he got Alex Ferguson to go to one of the trainings practically like as a babysitter just like back him you know it seems like he's doing the most he can to keep his job which is it's just sad to see like I think he's a dead man walking at this point like you know there's like a lot of stories, a lot of reports coming out of like you know how the I think there was a report that came out the other day that Ronaldo was telling his teammates that they shouldn't mention anything bad about Sol Cigar while he's still in charge, and that they should wait till he get he's gone before mentioning uh, all the bad things about him. There was also another one about uh, a Man United player that was uh, that said he he doesn't understand how Harry Maguire's a captain, and that uh, he's just like I think the quote was I don't understand how Harry Maguire's a captain. He's barely been at the club like six uh, how he was handed the captaincy after only being at the club six months and you know yeah and yeah. then i think the thing that's been apparent at this game uh, a lot of these games is just like the lack of leadership especially from mcguire since he's supposed to be the captain but like mcguire like i've said along all the time that he you guys got ripped off he was not worth 80 million like he's been at fault for a lot of these goals man like is ridiculous. Like, he'll do a back pass that's just, like, not strong enough. He'll get intercepted or he'll tackle his own teammate. It's just... You guys, like, you guys just got... Uh, just got bamboozled. I don't know what to say. You guys got ripped off by him and I honestly don't think is the man to take y'all forward. Like, like, I don't know how you still protect him, honestly. 5-0 losing to your biggest rival so you have, like, I think Stockholm Syndrome or something, Although, because this is ridiculous, <laughs> man. I don't know how you could defend this, man. This is just... It's just awful coaching. Like I see the similar <laughs> situation you guys like we had with Coleman, man. Like I, like I'm pissed, and I'm not even a United fan. Like how can you defend this man with his trash-ass tactics and say we're we <laughs> it's, it's like when Coleman said we're getting closer and closer to winning a big game after we lost the classic. It's just it's ridiculous. You can't say that at a club like United or Barca or nothing.
1: Like he that's should a, be
3: fired. But that's the, the thing, fired. though. You know,
1: Ole hasn't said
3: anything like Coleman has. You know, Coleman really. He said some pretty stupid stuff that I'm just like, how is this guy still in charge? Like, bro, if he was at Chelsea, he wouldn't have made it past two months.
1: A Past two months, <laughs> who Ole or Komen? Both of them. Well, well, yeah, exactly. But either way, I mean, compared to Komen, Ole compared to Komen is is much much better. You know, in the same class. No, I doubt it. No, nah, he always, has a
3: much better squad, and he's not doing, doing anything with it.
1: In, in his first couple of games as, as you know, head coach for United, even though it was interim, he he turned things around right away. You know, you can't deny that. You can't deny what he's done so far. I mean,
3: if yeah, you look I'm at, I, mean, I always backed him when progress. he first started. I always said he's a good interim coach. I'm like, he's done really good, but then it's just stagnated. There's no progress. Like, he has a much better squad now than you, when he you first started, inst- and he's not doing anything with it.
1: Well, you can't be – that's what I'm saying. You can't be saying that there's no progress. He's made a, a lot of progress. You know, he's been getting so close, like just like last season, finally, Europa League, like, he lost it. Um, so, you, you can't – it's hard to say – like, that's why I back him, because he's getting closer and closer. you're delusional. <laughs> no, man. You just have to see it. You're like, He's getting closer and closer. You have closer. to at The, the five this point, point,
3: Y'all are not going to lose these the next time. three games and be embarrassed. Well, I mean... This man went all out. Three,
1: <laughs> if he loses those three, next three games, then, then it's out of my hands. I can defend him all I want, but then the board will, you know, they'll do what they have to do. But I'll keep defending him because I can see what he brings in here. Um, you know? So laugh all you want, but at the end, like I said, it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, you know, we'll see what happens within these next and he few finishes weeks. finishes
3: in last place every time.
1: <laughs> sure. All right,
0: guys.
3: I mean, dude, you guys got <laughs> Tottenham, Atalanta, and Man City. Like, maybe you guys win against Tottenham because they're not good. Atalanta, I mean, they were missing win. five starters last time. So, I don't know if you guys would win. Y'all are going to get pounded by City.
1: Uh, I think Ole has um, Pep's number already, so
2: that's going to be the highlight of All-Man United fans' season.
3: Although, what will it take for you to realize that Ola's not the man? I mean, you said you'd still protect him when you lost these three next games. Like, what would it take? What would make you realize he's not the man? Uh, it would just be like progressively
1: um like at the end of the season. Going backwards. Because Yeah. So, because all this time, he's been progressing forwards, but if, uh, if I start to see some degression where he's just, we're just going back to kind of square one, you know, the club being in shambles, post Sir Alex Ferguson, then that would be when I have to stop defending him. But as of now... Losing,
3: you guys losing 5-0 no versus Liverpool kind of putting you back at square one, because like, by this time, it's like when you guys Sir, should be competing Sir Alex against these clubs. City, Ferguson lost
1: 6-1 to City, bro. Sir Alex Ferguson lost 6-1 to City, you know, when Sir Alex Ferguson started he he got bamboos of like you know these big games as well so that's why I'm not I'm not you know I don't know how to explain it but that's why I back you know history tends to repeat itself it might repeat itself again with
3: Ole what do you think about uh Harry Maguire though and that player saying he doesn't deserve the captaincy do you agree with I
1: disagree I I do agree in that aspect cuz I, I did kind of I did find it really weird and interesting that when we got him from Leicester, he was giving the, the armband almost right away. And then how he fucked up with Greece, uh, at, you know, at Minicos getting getting at that brawl. You know, for me to be a captain, to be a leader, you got to show it on and off the pitch. So right now at this moment, I, I think a better captain that suits would be even Bruno. Uh, David Gea. David has the longest member right there. Um, McTominay is a captain in the making. Rashford as well is a captain in the making. But right now, I think the captain, Arben, should be given to Bruno.
0: Not to McGuire. All right, guys. So we're going to wrap it up there because we spent a lot of time there. And there's obviously a lot of football that we want to get to, but... Uh... Last thing I will say about United, guys, we ran a poll on our Twitter account at FutureFootyPod. If you guys aren't following us, make sure you do so. And it was kind of redundant, honestly, because the question was, who do you think will get the sack first? Uh, Ronald Koeman or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? And convincingly, Koeman won the race with, I think, 71%. And then not even a few hours after that tweet was sent out, you know, Koeman was actually sacked. So that was interesting to say, guys, but uh, keep your eyes peeled on our Twitter. so like I was saying, keep your eyes peeled on our Twitter account. We'll probably run another poll here in the next couple of days if Ole is the right man for the job. And uh, we'll probably run it after the Spurs game. A lot of people saying whoever loses that game is going to get sacked first, whether it be Nuno or Ole. But um, we'll see what happens here at the weekend. But um, referring back to the previous weekend, some other interesting matches that took place. I think Chris mentioned Chelsea just drubbing Norwich 7-0, looking really impressive there without Pulisic, without Lukaku, without Werner. A lot of the young players stepping up there, so that was pretty exciting to see. Arsenal guys getting their fifth win on the bounce, I think, in the Premier League or in all competitions, beating Villa three-one, and Man City beating Brighton—a very impressive Brighton squad to say the least, four-one. So, a lot of exciting stuff happened in the Prem, guys.
3: Watford one five-two versus Everton.
0: Oh They're yeah. Four. Forgot was about that. Four or
3: three goals in the last fifteen minutes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Dude, in my predictions, I said Everton was gonna whip. Watford and it ended up being the exact opposite. So quite I know, dude. I
1: got zero. I literally got zero points this past predictor week.
0: It We're sucks. catching up.
1: You know what? Honestly, I think I know what happened, guys. I think I know what happened. So earlier this week, uh, or before, um, uh, before match day, I literally broke a mirror by accident. So I okay. think all this bad luck is coming down on me.
0: We're gonna jump over to Spain now, guys, and talk about a little bit about uh, talk a little bit about La Liga. So obviously we mentioned the Clásico. Real Madrid ran out two-one victors there. And last thing I will say about this on the tactic end, because I know we already spoken a lot about this match, but Coleman playing Serginho Dest as a right winger once again, and then uh, he did so midweek against Real and I think this was one of the biggest contributing factors to his downfall and to his him being sacked eventually because. To me, it just proved that Serginho Dest cannot contribute in the attacking third as much as a right winger as he does as a right back because in both games, you saw him in the first half contribute as a right winger and then the second half contribute as a right back. And I think he did a lot better as a right back. So I think um, for Barca fans and United States fans, it's safe to say that his future does lie within the pullback position, whether it be right from the right or from the left. But as a winger, you know, he offers a lot of attacking impetus, but not. Not as much as he can from a right-back, so that's all I will say about that and El Clasico, but...
1: I'm glad that um, Falcao sealed Coleman's fate at Barca. Yeah.
0: yeah. we had
3: we got Luke, Luke the Ding Dong.
0: <laughs> Dude, Falcao, 35 You're years old, old, and uh, what was it, dribbling past Pique, and then sliding in home one against one of the best goalkeepers in the world, in and that guy is... Looking really impressive and reinventing himself over in uh in Madrid this season, so I'm happy for him for sure.
1: Imagine if he actually would have like if he didn't get that injury and went to the World Cup
0: that year. What could have happened? Yeah, that would have been and then oh. 2014, right? That's the year you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The year where Hamas had that breakthrough season as well. Ooh man.
1: Yeah. So ima- imagine you know that that Hamas with Prime Falcao, I think Colombia would have gone even farther than what they already did.
0: Bundesliga guys, um, you know, the usual suspects, Dortmund, Bayern getting wins there. But uh, what I want to talk about very briefly is the fact that Bayern was actually knocked out of the DFB Pokal against uh via the hands of Borussia Gladbeck. It was a drumming guys 5-0, something we rarely ever see from Bayern. But I don't know. Yeah, if they man. Just...
1: Nagelsmann has been out, bro. He lost 5-0. <laughs>
0: What about over in Italy, guys? So Serie A, there was a lot of really good matches over the weekend. Um, Juve and Inter going out to a 1-1 draw. And we saw Napoli actually drop points for the first time this season via the hands of Roma. They snapped their 100% record so far this season, dropping points for the first time. And are actually now level on points with AC Milan at the top of the table. So things really heating up over in Italy and Serie A looking like one of the most exciting competitions in Europe.
3: Uh, I want to, before we moved on from the Bundesliga, I wanted to mention about, I want to talk about Erling Haaland's injury, how he got an injury to his hip flexor and that he'll probably be out till December or early January, so we probably won't be seeing much uh, as much as him. And as we've seen before, uh, uh, Dortmund usually struggles without Haaland up top, so it'll be interesting to see how they do without him.
0: And then before we jump off from Serie A, I want to give a quick shout out to um, Mexico's very own Johan Vasquez. After that one impressive start that he had, getting that equalizing goal at the end, he's come back to play two other full 90s guys, and he's looking really impressive there. So I'm excited to see if he's going to start for Tata Martino on the Mexican side against USA coming up in these next World Cup qualifier windows, which I think is the week after, so you know we'll be talking a lot about that in our uh, podcast for that week, so stay tuned for that.
1: I think he definitely should. He he he's earned
3: the right to play.
0: For sure, man! It's finally good to see uh, some young Mexican talent shining over in Europe.
3: All right, so... uh, talk, uh, speaking about the Serie, uh, I was gonna say, I mean, AC Milan started like this last year. I remember I I kept up with them, and I think around January their form dropped off, and that's when they are like started struggling to pick up points and stuff, so it'll be interesting to see if they can hang on. I think if they do continue this form throughout the whole season, they'll probably end up winning the
0: league. So going over to France, guys, Gong. only really one game I want to talk about, uh, PSG and Marseille, El Um, This game was just beautiful to watch, guys, not for the football on the field necessarily, but for the antics and the TIFOs and the flares and the fans and the stadiums, guys. I don't know if you guys... We're able to see some of the pictures from the from the game, but very impressive scenes and get, definitely giving Lionel Messi a taste of what French football is all about, what El Classique is all about. But eventually, uh, neither team ran out winners. Nil-nil was the scoreline. Uh, Ashraf Hakimi getting sent off at the later stages of the game with a red card. Maybe that hampered PSG's chances of getting a victory there. But, you know, same story as always, guys. Neymar looking a bit lethargic a bit. Um, what's the word? Just not impactful. And then uh, Messi trying his hardest to contribute and Mbappe trying to be the star of the show. Um, It's always the same narrative, guys, and it's really two tails here with PSG in league and then PSG in the Champions League. But uh, overall, I think the one one word we can use to sum up is underwhelming. I know both teams got a uh, goal pretty early on that was ruled offside, which uh, I don't know. A lot of fans saying it's VAR being up to its usual VAR stuff, ruining the game in the moment, but... I think they were both rightly ruled offside. And uh, if they were both, if they would have both been able to stood, it would have been a different story for sure.
3: Well, I was going to ask you, well, the first first thing I want to say is I think what's his name, Conrad de la Fuente. I think he missed the sitter. But then also, uh, I was going to ask you, did you see that last ditch tackle by Saliba after Messi put in that through ball to Mbappe?
0: Oh, yeah. Dude, William Saliba, look, he's so think... impressive this season.
3: But did you think it was a oh, foul? I thought it was, I mean, he caught the ball, but then also got the player. I thought it was a foul.
0: That's a hard one for yeah. to say. That's I don't like, know.
3: Yeah, I saw the replays and I you know I thought it was a foul from the beginning. I mean he does get the ball but then he trips the player which you know I think if he hadn't tripped him I think Mbappe gets to the ball and possibly scores. But yeah that was up for debate I saw it over the weekend.
0: We'll wrap up the our European roundup there guys and we'll actually jump over back to the Premier League because it is time for the Premier League pick 'em segment so As always, uh, Aldo, do you want to kind of remind the people that are fairly new to this what the Premier League Pick'em is all about?
1: Yeah, definitely. So Premier League Pick'em, man, it's hosted by NBC Sports uh, with their Predictor app. Um, So every week there's five selected matches for the Prem. You basically get to guess, you know, what the score will be, who will come out winner. Um, And if you get the score completely correct, uh, you get 10 points. If you get the right winner, you get four points. Um, but if you get, you know, 10 points for each guess, for each game, for a total of 50 points, you win a jackpot or potentially share a jackpot of uh, $50,000. So that, that's always fun. And it's free to play, which makes it even even better.
0: NBC Sports, please sponsor Future 40 Podcast. Please contact us at future40podcast at gmail.com.
1: no restrictions limitations apply
0: (laughs) if you have a gambling problem please contact (laughs) 1-800-5 no but for real guys so we're gonna we're gonna jump right into it so the first match on here guys is uh liverpool which we mentioned before thrashed man united the week before against brighton who's currently in fifth place this looks like a good really good matchup on paper guys but i'm curious to see what you guys think
2: yeah so as we know liverpool thrashed man united 5-0 last week
0: and uh, I think they're gonna okay,
2: keep that good form. I think they're gonna win this one, maybe two zero.
0: I'm gonna agree with you there on the score on the goal differential, Chris. But I'm gonna say three one. I think Brighton has been really impressive, and they've been proving that they can score even against the best teams the Premier League can offer. You know, we saw that last week with City. So I back them to get one goal at least, and I back Salah to get one or two, and then Jota or Mane to get another one. So I'm gonna say three one to Liverpool.
3: You want to
1: go last well, or right. you want me to go? No, that's
0: right.
3: I keep forgetting that you like to go last. Um, no, I don't
0: care anymore after I got four <laughs> points. <laughs> okay, okay. Wait, hold but, up. Uh, hold up, hold up. Let's just update the people really quick about what our league looks like because we do have our own mini league between the four of us guys and we have our own personal bets. Uh, winner runs out with 100 bucks. But just for a little bit of context, uh, although I think last week was the first week that he gave us a chance to catch up. But he's still in first place with 106 points. Uh, Chris is in second with 80. Yeah, 20 points ahead of second place. Chris with 86, and then I'm right behind him with 84. And then Saul, you've been having a bit of bad luck, but you know, hopefully, you can pick up some results this week. You got 76 in fourth, but uh, hey man, we saw this last season, all to play for here, and this can definitely change week in week out.
1: Yeah, definitely, man. It's been it's been a fun fun season so far, except for last week. <laughs> zero. God damn it! All right, but uh, coming back to that Liverpool Brighton game, uh, Brighton has has been they have been doing pretty well, but I can only see Liverpool coming winners coming on top. Um, I think they're gonna get three 0 up in here. Uh, so that's my guess.
3: Yeah, I think I'm uh, I'm agree with everyone else. You know, I think Liverpool wins this one. Win. I made the mistake last week where I said I thought Brighton would uh, give City a good game and tie it, but I was completely wrong. And you know, the, when when they don't have when Brighton doesn't have the ball and they're not able to do what they want, they struggle a lot. And with Liverpool's high press, I really don't see Brighton being able to have the ball or do what they want. So I see Liverpool winning three three zero.
0: So next match on here, guys, we kind of alluded to already. It's the. Uh... Derby to see who gets the sack first. Will it be Nuno or will it be Ole? We have Spurs versus Manchester United. Although I'm going to kick off with you, bro. Who do you think is going to run out winners here?
1: Do you really have to ask? I mean, I'm going to say it's United always. Um, I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's going to be a a close close game for sure. Um, but United are going
0: to come out winners 2-1. Two, two no, 3-1. I'm going to say 3-1. I'm going to be a bit boring here, and just to play doubles advocate, I think both managers will survive at least one more week in the Prem. And the only way I can see that happening is via a draw. So I'm going to say a... uh um oh man. I'm going to say 2-2, two, two just to give it a high-scoring affair, you know, give both sets of fans something to write home about with their attacking ends being really impressive. So, yeah, I'm going to say 2-2. Two, two.
2: I'm going to agree with you. I think it's going to be a draw. 2-2, two, two, maybe... I'm gonna go with one one.
3: I think I'm gonna agree with Aldo. You know, I I have read reports that Ole has been giving the next three matches to practically save his job, but I don't know why they would give him that chance. I would have sacked him but uh yeah, I think I wanna say yeah, I think Man United, you know, I think it's gonna be a boring game, honestly. And I see you but I see United winning it two one.
0: Next matchup on here, guys, is uh Leeds United versus Norwich City. Um both teams that are well, Norwich is in the relegation zone, bottom of the table right now and t- with twentieth on in 20th place and then Leeds just hovering right over them in 17th. So, a lot to play for here, you know, both teams fighting for relegation so early on in the season. But with all that being said, I think Leeds just has a much better attack going forward and Norwich has been so underwhelming this season, guys, without uh Emiliano Buendia. So, I'm going to give the win here to Leeds. I'm going to say I'm going to say 4-1.
1: I'm going to continue that um I think there's going to be five goals in, in the whole game. Uh, Leeds are going to get uh, be there up top, 3-2. Uh, so just a bit different from you, Chris. But I think Leeds are definitely going to come out on top this Sunday.
2: Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I think they had a heavy defeat last week by Chelsea's hands. And uh, Leeds have kind of been disappointing this season. But I'm going to go with a 2-0 win. Yeah, I'm going to give Norwich a goal, 2-1 to Leeds.
3: Yeah, I'm going to agree with everyone else. I think Norwich is just, you know, there's always the... There, there's been the joke this season that they just come up and then get relegated right away, and that's what they do. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Leeds. I think they... I'm going to agree with Christian. I think they went 4-1. I think these are the type of games where Bielsa shows that he's... uh what kind of class coach he is, you know? I think this is where he shows. And I see Le- Leeds winning it four-one.
0: Next matchup, guys. We have both teams wearing claret and sky blue. austin Villa versus West Ham. West Ham, we just mentioned, you know, knocked off City, the Carabao Cup winners for the past five seasons um in the Carabao Cup. So that's pretty exciting. They're on really good run of form. And then Villa, kind of underwhelming this season, but uh you know, they're still an impressive team to watch. But I see nothing here but a West Ham victory, guys. So I'm gonna say it's gonna be a close one, honestly. Uh, I think three-two is the eventual score here.
3: Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. What's up? I'm. Uh, I think West Ham wins it two-zero. Um, it's. I think it's important to mention that Emmy Martinez isn't gonna be available for Villa. He had to travel back to Argentina because of a family emergency. So. Just thought I'd let you guys know about that. But, yeah, I see West Ham winning this one too No,
2: I agree with that. I think West Ham have been one of the better teams this season. They got a win last week against Spurs, I believe. And I think they're going to continue that good form onto this fixture. Aston Villa have been pretty slow this season. I'm going to say, yeah, a repeat. Scoreline. I'm gonna say two one to West Ham.
1: I'm just gonna keep the train going, man. Uh West Ham's definitely gonna come out to, on top of this one. Aston Villa has has been underperforming a little bit. Danny Ings has been doing all right. I mean, he got a goal last week. Um, uh, but they they like I said, you know, it's a team team game, so they can't really rely too much on individuals. West Ham has been doing really well as a collective. So definitely giving them the win
0: 3-1. to one. So the mat- last matchup on here, guys, is a pretty difficult one to call as well. It's uh, Everton versus Wolves. Um, both teams not, you know, doing as best as they can right now. I think Everton is currently in 8th and Wolves in 11th. So not a lot to be played for here. Uh, man, this one's really difficult, actually. I think I'm going to give it to Wolves just because of... Wang Hee Chan, he's been looking really impressive over there. And uh, Raul Jimenez, you know, he's been contributing on the attacking end quite a bit. And I know Everton's been in a pretty decent run of form, but I think uh, Wolves we'll get the victory here being at home. So I'm going to say 2-1.
3: Alright, uh, I was just, um, as you said, this is a difficult one to pick, but I don't really think a lot separates these teams, but Everton did get their ass whooped last week by Watford, who I think are fighting for relegation but I still see this game as a 2-2 draw.
2: Um, I don't know if I agree with the draw. I think, Christian, did you say this was a Wolves win?
0: Yeah, I went for Wolves 2-1.
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with that. 2-1, I don't know, maybe 2-0. 2-1 looks good. I'll I'll stick with that. One thing to notice is Everton is without their top goal scorer, Dom Calvert-Lewin, for this game. So they're going to find it hard to score some goals.
1: Dang, I, I, I'm gonna say it's, it's gonna be two one. Um, I mean, Chris does bring up a good point that Everton's gonna be without Dom, um, but they still have Richardson, right?
2: Yes.
3: Yeah, I mean.
1: No, I think he's been injured
0: actually. I
3: don't he's think he's He played versus. He, he played versus Watford.
0: He scored he? versus Watford.
1: Oh. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I thought. I remember seeing that, but Richardson always kind of puts up a fight. You know, he's he's a bright young talented player. So, I don't think it's going to be enough to beat Watford. I think Watford is going to, you know, come out on top 2-1. Wolves?
3: You mean Wolves? Yeah, Wolves, my bad. (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually looking at at Everton's injuries, and I'm going to switch my answer. I do think Wolves win this one 2-0. Everton has Jerry Mina out, DeCure, Andre Gomez, Calvert-Lewin, and Fabian out, so I'm going to give it to Wolves,
0: 2-0. And I think Richarlison barely returned to match fitness last week. He was a sub coming off the bench, and I think that was his first appearance for a while. So, that might play a contributing factor, but a lot of Everton's new signings this summer have been really impressive. You know, Damari Gray and uh, Townsend up front, so maybe they put up a fight against Wolves, but yeah, I'm going to stick with my prediction of 2-1 for sure. So, that does it for uh, the Premier League pick'em guys. So remember to submit your picks not only to the league overall but to our little mini league. Don't want to pull a Chris here and you know think you submitted them but it ended up with zero points at the end. Yep, <laughs> I'm making sure now. <laughs> Other well, Premier League guys this week. Uh, yeah, I think all of the good matches were covered in this pick'em segment, but there is one that wasn't. I think Leicester and Arsenal is going to be a really good one as well. Uh, Five thirty a.m. Saturday morning. So. Not worth waking up, but definitely gonna you know watch the highlights of that later on. We'll see if Arsenal can continue on in their good form. And then jumping over to other exciting league, exciting matches going on in Europe this week, guys. Obviously in La Liga, Barcelona will start their new era without Coman facing Alaves, who's been pretty decent so far this season. And then we have Real Betis versus Real Madrid or Atlético Madrid, excuse me. So that pretty much covers La Liga, unless you guys want to say anything about either La Liga or Prem? I think City versus Palace is going to be a good game.
2: Yeah, Palace always brings up a good fight against Man City.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I vaguely, no, I vividly remember Chris. uh, (laughs) I think it was back when we worked at the airport together and we were walking to the return lane and we uh, were looking at the Premier League results and you mentioned you were scared for City coming up against Palace because they always (laughs) give them bad luck. (laughs) And then what was it two hours later we looked back and palace actually did get the victory there so palace does have a good history with city so we'll see if that can unfold this weekend bundesliga yeah uh bundesliga eintracht frankfurt versus rb leipzig and then leverkusen versus Wolfsburg. wolfsburg two of the big marquee matches there syria uh normally has a lot of really good matches uh does not disappoint this week with atalanta and lazio verona and juventus and then Roma and Milan, AC Milan, that is. That's going to be really interesting to see.
1: Ooh, that is. I mean, reunion with Ibrahimovic and Mourinho.
0: Oh, yeah. Wow.
1: <laughs> Very nice. Oh, did you guys see Mourinho when he got sent off? And Dude, that was,
0: that was and so funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he gave Honestly, the thumbs up and then ran behind.
1: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's definitely something I would do, man. That's definitely something I would do. But, yeah, that Milan... Uh, Roma game should be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah.
0: Marino has been nothing but nothing short of uh, entertainment this season over in Italy. And then uh, jumping over to France guys. Liga Only one match that I have my eyes on this weekend, at least PSG and Lille. We have the uh, front runners for championship winners this season. PSG versus last year's winners. Lille. We'll see if they can dethrone them in this matchup for at the very minimum. And then obviously we can't talk about before you
3: move on. Before you move on from PSG and Lil, uh, I saw that what's the name. Mbappe and Messi weren't training with uh, PSG today, so it'd be interesting to see how they do if uh, Messi and Mbappe don't play, especially since Neymar's been really disappointing. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that.
0: Yeah. um, Speaking of Neymar, I want to mention this really quick, and then obviously, you know, PSG, Mario Icardi, what's going on with him and Wanda, his wife. Maybe that'll play a bit of... Uh, an impact into this matchup, but I mentioned a, uh, or I didn't mention, I saw a take from a really well respected uh, football writer a few weeks ago, actually, and he was kind of touting Neymar to have this Ronaldinho like decline at the top level where he is too occupied with partying and his own personal, um, agendas where he takes away from his football abilities. And honestly, man, I think that's kind of what we're seeing. He's been really, um, unimpressive for PSG so far this season. And, you know, obviously a lot of people were giving him crap with coming back with a little bit of weight uh, prior to the season starting. But we'll see how far that narrative goes. Neymar is definitely one of the world's best players when he is on his day and he is on his form. But uh, hopefully, you know, at the young age of, what, 28, 29, that doesn't, the decline doesn't start now.
3: I think it's interesting you mentioned that because I think Tuchel came out earlier this week when he said it. I think they asked him about managing uh, Lukaku. And in response to that, he said it was easier to manage Lukaku than uh, PSG. Because I think he said in PSG, he's like, you haven't bought Ben Neymar. He's like, and not only do you have to manage them, he's like, but you have to manage their families and their friends and all this stuff. So it seems like at PSG, they just give all all the players the power to practically do whatever they want. And it almost seems like as a playing football, PSG is almost just like a... Like a, like a side hustle, for lack of a better word. Like, they just do it on the side, and it's not, like, their number one priority. So it's interesting that you mentioned that about Neymar.
0: Yeah, but we'll see as the season goes on what, uh, what takes place there. But before we jump off the weekend matches, we can't go on without saying, or without mentioning the uh, Champions League results going on midweek. So obviously, guys, it's the reverse fixtures from the last time we saw these Champions League matches. It's just uh, home teams will be away now and away teams will be home so we'll see the same fixtures guys but hopefully it's a different story for some teams here you know hopefully we can see dortmund not getting whooped again by ajax hopefully they can come out victors there we have a rematch of liverpool atletico uh city and Bruges, which was actually more entertaining than a lot of people took but yeah anything else you guys want to touch on champions league or any special specific insights you guys have
1: no, I mean, I think, like you said before, hopefully Dortmund does a much better job this second time around against Ajax. But at the same time, I hope Ajax continues their
0: dominant form, both domestic and in Europe. Um, so I'm very excited to see that game, actually. Speaking of Ajax, guys, I just wanted to quickly mention, I didn't mention this in the very beginning with our biggest takeaways, but an Alvarez, Mexican zone. He had his contract role until 2025 now, which is very exciting to see. I mentioned johan vasquez how it's exciting to see how young mexican talent has been coming up over in europe but honestly alvarez has been doing it for years now and he's becoming a really prominent uh, figure in that ix side you know betting along with other youngsters like timber like anthony um so it's really exciting just really exciting to see that and then uh, hopefully he can you know be at the club for the foreseeable future not just for his club's sake but also for the mexican national team's sake and again same as johan i hope he uh plays a prominent role in uh Mexico's victory against USA, hopefully here in the next couple of weeks. So before we wrap up things here on the Future Footy Podcast, guys, we do want to give a big congratulations and give our support to one of the football's players that uh, made a pretty impressive landmark this week just past. Although, do you want to give the people a little bit more information about what actually happened this past week?
1: Yeah, man. Uh, you know, that this is why – one of the reasons I love this sport. Um, it really can't – you know, there's no – room for any discrimination, racism, or uh, anything like that. So you can literally be from anywhere, any place, and you can still play the game and enjoy the game. Uh, so congratulations for Josh, Josh Cavallo over at the Australian League, um, where he publicly announces that he is uh, gay, which is a big stepping stone for a lot of athletes. Um, and it just shows how you know how progress is being made in that aspect. So, and hopefully, you know, this encourages other athletes to to be themselves truly and to not uh, shy away from themselves. Um, so, again, congratulations to Josh Cavallo.
0: Very well said there, all done. yeah, just to kind of piggyback off you there, man, congratulations. And we want to, you know, publicly come out and say we support you. And like you said, man, the game of football is a beautiful game. There's no room for discrimination, no matter your race, your sexual orientation, or uh, where you come from. We accept all walks of life. And... You know, this game it doesn't matter. We don't look at that stuff. So, congratulations once again, and uh, we support you. And with that being said, we're gonna wrap things up here on the Future Footy Podcast. So, it's been real as always, guys. Uh, thank you to my three co-hosts, Aldo, Chris, and Saul for joining me once again. Thank you to all the listeners, guys. And as always, we'll be back every Friday with a new episode of FFP. Definitely stay on. Keep uh keep an eye out on our socials. You know, at Twitter at Future Footy Pod, uh, we'll be posting a lot more there and interacting with a lot more fans and Keep an eye out for that poll. If uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should be sacked or not, we'll see what happens over the weekend. But with all that being said, guys, you know, definitely take care. Take care of yourselves both mentally and physically, and we'll see you next week. Adios. See
3: you all next week. Have a good week, guys. Take Take care.